1: Hi, it's Amy Mctiernan here. Welcome to this edition of the Arsenal Audio Program.
2: Arsenal vs Rapid Vienna, Thursday, December the third, twenty twenty. Kickoff eight pm. The contents: the manager, Mikel Arteta; the captain, Pierre Emerick Aubameyang; voice of Arsenal. Match Action, Lord AFK vs. Arsenal Arsenal Academy Player Questionnaire Arsenal History Arsenal Women My Story Visitors: Rapid Vienna Arsenal Pre-Season in Austria Match Action, Arsenal vs. Wolverhampton Wanderers and
1: Teams Manager's notes. Mikel Arteta. Firstly, I want to say everyone at the club continues to send our best wishes to Raul Jimenez as he recovers from that terrible clash with David Luiz. It was a very serious one. We have been in touch with Wolves and we send our love to Raul and his family of course. We all hope he can make a fast and strong recovery. David Luiz was involved too but we're happy to say he's okay. It was a very nasty cut that our doctors and physios did really well to treat at the time and make sure he was all bandaged up and fit to carry on. He never lost consciousness and we followed all of the protocols and correct procedures. He was fine to play on, but the deep cut was giving him discomfort. At half time the doctor decided, together with David, to take him off. David was very concerned about Raoul. It was a complete accident and was very traumatic for David. To accidentally injure a fellow professional like this is very disturbing and emotional for a player. We will be giving David our full support in the coming days. Since Sunday, there has been a lot of debate regarding head injuries in football. On this particular incident, I must say that the medical professionals should take credit for how they quickly and effectively cared for Raul, and we hope this leads into him making a strong recovery. Regarding David, the paramount consideration for our Dr Gary O'Driscoll and his staff is always the welfare of the players. Gary is deeply involved in the research and treatment of head injuries and before working with Arsenal spent many years working in elite rugby. All of the protocols were followed with David. He is fine and hasn't shown signs of concussion, but will continue to be assessed, with the deep cut on David's head taking the forthcoming days to heal. David was visited at his home on Monday, which was a day off for the players, and we will continue to prioritise his close care in the coming days. Gary and the club have been and will continue to contribute to the further discussions and developments around head injury protocols. As for the game itself, I thought it was won and lost in the two penalty areas. Wolves had two shots on target in the first half and scored two goals. We generated a lot of situations and made a lot of chances, but in the end, we were let down by the quality of our delivery. We are not hitting the target enough, that's for sure. We managed to get into good situations more often on Sunday. We did not make the most of them. We didn't make our chances count, and we need to put that right straight away. It's a priority because to win football matches, it's about how efficient and how ruthless you are in the penalty area. We have lost three home games in a row now in the Premier League, which is really, really disappointing. To have any stability at all in the league, your home form will be crucial. After a few more games, the table will tell you where you are and how much you deserve, and clearly we have to improve. It's nowhere near good enough for this football club and we know we have to work hard to change things. But this is our reality now. This is our position, so we have to be humble. We know where we are at the moment and we know how we can come out of it. It's by everybody being together, pushing in the same direction, putting in more energy, more effort, more work and adding more to the team. That's another reason why I'm so happy that we are able to welcome back fans to the stadium tonight. It's a huge first step for us. We've missed it a lot since we had to close the doors and I know that seeing some of you back here for the first time since March is going to really lift the players. We really need you. It's affected the team and having you back behind us can push us on. I'm sure the players have been looking forward to hearing voices other than my own and the coaching teams. It will make a big difference even with only 2,000 fans. And we know that there are still so many fans who are still missing the matches. It's time to make this really feel like home again, and you all have a big part to play in that. It's about results, of course, starting again tonight against Rapid Vienna. We have put ourselves in a really strong position in the group, and we achieved our objective of qualifying as quickly as possible for the next round. But that doesn't mean we ease off now. We've got two games left in the group, two games that we want to use to build a positive momentum. Again, it can be a chance to give minutes to players who need them and deserve them, but we saw out in Austria what a strong side Rapid Vienna are, and I will pick a side that I think can get the win tonight. We have analysed Rapid's matches in the group so far. They are a dangerous side who look to be positive and attack whenever they get in possession. They are in an interesting position in the group and they've got a big, big motivation for the points tonight, so if we aren't completely ready for that, we'll be punished. Thanks for your support, and to those of you inside the stadium tonight, we've really missed your presence here. It's not been the same without you get behind the team again tonight and you will see the difference it makes.
2: Captain's notes, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. It's so great that we will see some of you back in the stadium with us tonight, even if it's only 2000 at the moment. We wish it could be more. It's been a long journey for everyone to get to where we are now, and are able to welcome back some fans at last. It seems so, so long ago when we played West Ham here in front of a full stadium. A lot has happened since then. The first lockdown especially, I know, was very tough on a lot of people, and then we've had it again for the last month, so it's really positive and good news that we are starting to move forward at last.' For me, I have to say that I have the huge privilege of being able to be with my family during lockdown, and that's so important to me. For me, that's everything. Since we have all been at home more, I've had the chance to play with my kids more, and during the first lockdown, I even had to be their teacher as well. I must say, though, that doing their homework with them was very different to what I was used to. I don't think I could be a teacher, for sure I could not do that job. Maybe I can teach about football, but not schoolwork. Everything is different now, and I'm sure for the fans inside the stadium tonight, there will be a lot of changes from what you are used to when you come to the Emirates. But hopefully this all works well for everyone, because we need the fans. Myself, the team, every single player, we all need fans at the games. Myself, when I'm playing, I think about it all the time. When you watch games on the video, you realise how much we need that again. Especially at the moment we need that extra energy you can bring us, everyone is going to be happy to see the fans again, and for sure everyone will try to give more on the pitch. Sometimes late in games as well, you really need the fans there with you, and we can't wait for it. And when this game is done, another thing I can't wait for is the derby on Sunday. I think this is the game that we have to make into a turning point for us this season. There's nothing better than this game to give you that opportunity to turn things around. We have to understand that if we can win this game, then everyone will change their mindset. A big result in the derby can really lift the players, the fans, everyone. We know it will be a tough game, they are playing well at the moment to tell the truth, but we have to take care of our game, how we want to play the game, and make it all about us. We are waiting for this game, we need to give everything to get the win and change our situation. Because we were not happy with our performance at the weekend against Wolves, I think we showed two different faces in that match. We completely missed the first half. We didn't play our usual game how we want to play. And of course, this is really disappointing for us. There's a lot of frustration because we know we can do a lot of things much better than we did. In the second half, we showed more that we are capable of putting the opponent in difficult situations. We created some opportunity to score goals, but in the end, we couldn't do it. I think the behaviours were better in the second half, though. For whatever reason, we were not at a good enough level in the first half. We know that, and we know what we have to do better from now on. More games are coming quickly now, and the good news is we know exactly what we have to change, so it's up to us to do it. I was really close to Raul Jimenez and David Lewis in the penalty area when they collided in the first few minutes. It was really bad to see, and the first thing to say, of course, is that I want to send all my best wishes to Raoul and his family. It stopped the game early, and it was a shock for me, because I heard the noise clearly. It was really bad. Straight away we could tell how bad it was, and we saw the blood, so we quickly called the doctors onto the pitch, who did a great job, and hopefully he's recovering well. We will also take care of our teammate David, as this was difficult for him as well. A complete accident that happens in football. We will all be putting our arms around David, a great teammate to all of us. These injuries can be so dangerous, so maybe we should think about bringing in temporary substitutes for injuries like this, which will give the doctors more time, because if anything can help the situation, we should do it.' But for now, as I say, we are wishing for a fast recovery for Raúl. Thanks a lot for your support, and we can't wait to see and hear you here tonight. Come on, you gunners.
3: The Voice of Arsenal. Welcome back. Arsenal Football Club are thrilled to have 2,000 supporters in Emirates Stadium tonight. And we would like to thank all those in attendance for their patience during the process of securing tickets on Saturday. We would like to commiserate with the many thousands of fans who weren't lucky enough for the first-come, 1st serve process. And we hope those eligible will have the opportunity to get to the Emirates soon. UEFA regulations stipulate that all seats are socially distanced tonight, even for fans who attend with other members of the household or their support bubble. Due to the size of the seats, this means that there will be two seats between occupied seats in the lower level and one seat between occupied seats at club level. Ticket details for Burnley and beyond. We will resume the plans to hold a ticketing ballot for our Premier League matches at Emirates Stadium against Burnley on Sunday, December the 13th. More information on the balloting process for this fixture and for the 2021 fixtures can be found when available on the ticketing section of Arsenal.com. Precautions for all games. All supporters attending tonight's fixture and future games at the Emirates Stadium will be required to complete an online health questionnaire and a track and trace form prior to the match. For tonight's match, all necessary documentation would have been emailed to you. once successfully purchased a ticket and your e-ticket will only have been activated when those have been completed. This is in conjunction with the UK Government and Premier League guidelines. Furthermore, all fans must agree to adhere to the Code of Conduct and comply with the relevant ticketing terms and conditions. Both the Code of Conduct and ticketing terms and conditions can be found on arsenal.com. It is necessary for you to take your time to read these documents carefully. These are clearly exceptional circumstances. And the health, safety, and security of everyone is our top priority. With fans now returning to the Emirates Stadium safely, procedures will be in place to protect us all. This includes the introduction of the new hygiene measures and intensive cleaning routines, many of which are robustly tested at our recent screenings of the Manchester City and Man United matches. Supporters aged 14 and above must bring photo ID as you may be required to prove you are the name ticket holder to gain entry into the stadium. It has been challenging time for everyone, and we want to thank you for your support, patience and understanding. We're thrilled to have you back, even if it's only a handful for you for the moment. This is an important step forward, but we are continuing to work with the Premier League and the UK Government to increase our attendance which would also enable us to accommodate more fans in the Emirates Stadium and to open in ticket access for more membership groups. Until this can be done, we appreciate the disappointment that many of you will feel that you will miss out on attending games. Thanks for your patience and enjoy tonight's match. Liam Brady on Diego Maradona The day after his death, Arsenal legend Liam Brady wrote a wonderful tribute to Maradona in the Irish Examiner. Here's an excerpt we thought you would enjoy. He was something you'd never seen before when 18-year-old Maradona played against Brady's Republic of Ireland in Dublin in 1979. Just can't get the ball off him. By the time I faced him later on in the career, I knew not to get too close. Just drop off, wait for support, try and crowd him out. It was a case of safety in numbers because he'd dribble anybody one-on-one. That night, we'd just about survived getting bodies around him and we finished scoreless. And crucially, I got the closest to the finest whistle and I got the shirt off the best footballer I've ever played against. A few days later, he scored his first goal for Argentina in a 3-1 win over the Scots. And I saw former Celtic striker Frank McGarvey say that he tore him to shreds. Hampton gave him a standing ovation and the world was waking up to someone who takes centre stage for all of our lives. I consider him a huge part of mine. First watching, admiring from afar. The following year, he probably played a part in my move to Juventus. Those days, the Italian clubs could only sign one foreign player, and my name was probably fifth or sixth on the list, with close to him at the top. But, for some reason, they didn't get him. They eventually moved to Barcelona in '82. That move never suited him because Spanish football was particularly brutal in those days. Then, two years later, he arrived in Naples, which suited him down to the ground. In a sense, a place as poor as where he'd come from in Buenos Aires and as passionate about football. I played against him half a dozen times in Italy. Learning not to engage him, he was like he was made of rubber. Could knock him, but he wouldn't fall over. And just get up again and be gone. Something struck me again yesterday as I watched the amazing highlights reel from his performance during the 1986 World Cup. As well as the brilliant goals and the little bit of Gaelic, there are all those chances he created for others. Most of them missed, but you know what you don't see after all at the misses? Maradona throwing his hands up in the air, having a go at his teammates up close. That's how I remember him too. I see it as a time now, prima donnas who couldn't lace Maradona's boots, making it clear their teammates aren't up to their standards. Never from him. His teammates loved him dearly. He was a great bloke to play against too. Sure, he got the reputation in England as a cheat, and he got away with that one. But I never saw him as a cheat. He never feigned injury. He never went down looking for somebody booked or sent off. He always bounced up on his feet, and he was respective of his opponent. Programme ITK. Macho up for a hat-trick. Current Rapid Vienna goalkeeper Jürgen Macho had a spell with Sunderland at the start of the century. The goalkeeper enjoyed a memorable defeat in Wearside, coming up in the second-half substitute against Arsenal on August 19th, 2000. He kept a clean sheet and he watched Noel Quinn head the only goal in the game in which Patrick Vieira got sent off in the Stadium of Light. And his only other appearance against the Gunners was at Highbury in the League Cup on November 6, 2002. And Sunderland won again, 3-2, thanks to Kevin Kyle and Marcus Stewart, with Robert Perez and Francis Jeffers goals in vain. Behind Closed Doors Record Behind Closed Doors As we are welcoming fans back to the Emirates for tonight's match... All well-being, our game against Wolves on Sunday was our last behind closed doors, at home for the foreseeable future. Our records at the Emirates during the period supporters were locked out, was played 11-1-7, drawn 1, lost 3. Overall behind closed doors, including Wembley and in away matches, the record was played 28 one seventeen, 17 drawn 2, lost 9. Tonight's ref is Radu Peskiri from Romania. This is Radu's fourth season as a Europa League referee, his most recent match being Rangers 2 2 draw at home to Benfica last week. The 38 year old has been officiating in Romania top tier since 2007. Blue is the color. Arsenal are wearing all blue tonight, as this is due to the white sleeves of our home kit clashing with Rapid Vienna's home kit and our red shirt clashing with their array kit. Cup holders drawn at home against Newcastle. Monday night's FA Cup third round saw Arsenal draw against Newcastle United. The third round matches will be played between Friday January 8th and Monday January 11th. The Gunners have a long history in the FA Cup matches against Newcastle, going right back to 1902, when we lost 2-0 at our old Manor ground. There have been nine times since then, where Newcastle winning three, Arsenal 4 and 2 draws. Chilean George Rabilo scored for Newcastle when they beat us 1-0 in the 1952 FA Cup final, but we had our revenge 46 years later when we beat them 2-0 at Wembley. As we won the double back in 1998, courtesy of goals from Nicholas Anelka and Mark Overmars. The last time we faced the Georges in the FA Cup was on January 26, 2008, in the game which ended a comfortable 3-0 win courtesy of two goals from Adibayor and a Nicky Butt own goal. Pape Barora Diop Arsenal Football Club would like to extend sincere condolences to the family and friends of Pape Barora Diop, who died early this week at just 42. Pape was a regular Premier League opponent for the Gunners during his time with both Fulham and Portsmouth, and also a key member of the Senegal team was famously beat France in the opening game of the 2002 competition when he scored the only goal of the game against the reigning champions.
1: Europa League Match Day 4 5.55pm Thursday, November 26th Acker Stadium Molder FK 0 Arsenal 3 First Half we started brightly with Reese Nelson and Nicholas Pepe looking full of running on the wings. Ainsley Maitland Niles saw an early chip turned over for a corner while Alex Runerson was called into action at the other end, saving from Sheriff Sinian at close range. Pepe beat two men before curling an effort just off target, and Eddie and Kettia had a shot saved, but there was no breakthrough by the interval. Second half. Pepe again took control in the second half and thumped a wonderful effort against the bar just a minute before he did find the net with a trademark left foot finish. We doubled the lead five minutes later through Nelson. Joe Willock was the architect down the right flank sending in a low cross that Nelson met first time to turn past the keeper. We were well in control now and creating more chances. And Kettier came close again before he was replaced by fellow academy product Follerin Balligan. And what an introduction it was by the American-born striker. He had only been on the pitch a matter of seconds before Emile Smith-Rowe found him inside the box. He turned and smashed home for his first senior goal. It was enough to seal a comfortable 3-0 win and book our place in the knockout stages of the Europa League, with two matches still to play.
4: Youngun Zack Arway talking to Aidan Small, born Greenwich, ninth of January two thousand and four, joined Arsenal age eight, height and weight six foot four inches and eighty five kilos, position centre back, boots Adidas Coppers, school Thomas Tallis Blackheath. My Arsenal journey started when I joined the club as an under eight, and looking back. It's pretty crazy that I've been here for that long already. I actually started playing my football for a local Sunday league team, and after a couple of seasons, I was spotted by Crystal Palace. I joined them as an under-seven, but when Arsenal came calling a year later, it was an opportunity that we just couldn't turn down. There's seven or eight of us remaining from that original intake of youngsters, and it's crazy that we're still playing together today. We've all grown up together. As a youngster, I actually joined the club as a right-back, but over time I've been shifted across into central defence. I also played as a midfielder for a while, and I still enjoy playing there. But I've always been a tall and physical player, so I'm a natural fit at the back. That's not at the cost of ability on the ball, though. Here at Arsenal, you're obviously expected to be comfortable in possession as a defender, and willing to take risks with passes. I've spent years in the academy playing the Arsenal way, and I consider myself to be a ball-playing defender. I'm still only 16 years old, but I'm really grateful that I've been handed the opportunity to start week in, week out for the under-18s this season. It's given me a lot of confidence, and I think that's helped me develop on the pitch too, because I'm executing certain things with a little more belief. Ken Gillard has been really good for me. As for our performances this season... I think we have a lot more to give as a team. We didn't make the quickest of starts, bouncing between wins and losses, but I feel like we're understanding each other a lot better now and putting in some really good performances. Personally, I'm happy with my progress this season. At the start, I was definitely a bit nervous and not as strong as I could be, but as the season has progressed, I feel like I've grown into it and stepped up and I think that's why I was given the chance to make my debut for the under-23s. That was an incredible experience for me, especially because I started. I had hoped in the back of my mind that I'd maybe come off the bench for them this season, or the next. But to start, keep a clean sheet and win the game 6-0 was just unreal. I was interested to find out what under-23s football feels like, and the simplest way that I can put it is that everything is faster. The passing, the pressing, the decisions you need to make. It's all faster. In the build-up to the game throughout the week, I thought I'd be on the bench. But on the day before the game, there were a few signs in training that I'd be starting. I can't lie, I was shocked. Playing with Emil Smith-Rao was just brilliant too. He's a first-team player, and you can really see why on the pitch. I really look up to him in terms of how he's developed at the club and come through the ranks too. It was great to make my debut alongside Brooke Norton Cuffey as well. We're good mates and we were both nervous before the game. But once we got out there and we were next to each other, it felt natural and we were constantly communicating throughout the game. It was an amazing experience for me and it feels good to be trusted. But now I just need to keep working hard to make sure I'm ready for the next opportunity that's handed to me. I need to keep putting in big performances for the under 18s And if that happens, hopefully I'll be involved with the under-23s again. Jack low Lowdown. Earliest memory of football. Going to the David Beckham Academy, age 6. Got me into playing football. My mum. First footballer I looked up to. My dad. Favourite football shirt. Arsenal 2002-3 stroke shirt. Best friend in football. Brooke Norton Cuffey. Team supported as a child. Arsenal. Best player i faced, Jamie Bino-Gittens. Best moment of my career so far, making my debut for the under-23s. One stadium I'd like to score in, Johan Cruyff Arena. One type of goal I'd like to score, a last-minute winner in a cup final. If I could completely change position, I'd play number 10. Best training ground tip, you never know who's watching. Favourite training drill. Small-sided games. Ambitions for this season away from the pitch. pass my A-level in business. Biggest lesson learnt off the pitch at Arsenal. A better person makes a better player. Rate yourself. Speed, 81. Shooting, 60. Dribbling, 75. Passing, 80. Defending, 84. Me, favourite footballer of all time, Patrick Vieira. If I could be any footballer past or present. Kaka. Favourite follow on Instagram. Karim Bezima. Most played Spotify artist. Meek Mill. Favourite musician right now. Brent Fires, Favourite pre-match song. Meek Mill. Dreams and Nightmares. Best football attribute. My reading of the game. One thing I need on an away day. My headphones. One thing I want to do in my football career. Win the Champions League. If I wasn't a footballer, I would be a basketball player. First team player I look up to most. David Luiz. Player who shaped my game most. Sergio Ramos. Best thing about being at Arsenal. Playing for my childhood club. Something not many people know about me. I have a birthmark on my left hand. Match reports. Premier League 2, Friday, November the 20th, Emirates Stadium. Arsenal 1, Smith-Rao 9, Everton 0. Arsenal under 23, Macy, Chambers, Dinzy 76, Socrates, Norton Cuffey 71, Saliba, Lopez, Akinola, Smith-Rao, Aziz 46, Sirjan, Balogun, Muller. Subs not used. Oconquo Hutchinson Emile smith Ralph scored the winner as our under-23 secured a 1-0 victory over Everton at Emirates Stadium. Callum Chambers, Socrates and William Saliba were all named in our starting eleven and defended resolutely throughout, helping us to secure back-to-back victories in the Premier League two for the first time in 2020-2021. Full of confidence from our 6-0 win over Blackburn Rovers the week prior, We started strongly and opened the scoring after just nine minutes. Matt Macy played an incisive pass into our midfield and kick-started a counter-attack, before Smith Rowe applied the finishing touch to Ben Cottrell's through-ball. Falarin Bologan and Nikolaj Moller are beginning to form a dangerous partnership in attack, and they continue to threaten against the Toffees, twice coming close before the break. Following the restart, Miguel Aziz was introduced from the bench and instantly posed a threat, combining with Cottrell on the edge of the area before firing wide. We continued to push on for our second of the afternoon, but were dealt a frustrating blow on the hour mark. Charging into the penalty area at pace, Balogun appeared to be brought down, but the referee thought otherwise, and he was dismissed for a second yellow card. The visitors went direct for the final twenty minutes, Testing our defence with a number of searching long balls, but we stood firm to secure all three points. Under 18, Premier League South. Saturday, November 21st, London Colney. Arsenal 0, Fulham 0. Arsenal, Edgerherry, Norton Cuffey, Ave, Lang 46, Kirk, Monlouis, Bandiera, Patino, Hutchinson, Edejo, Edward 65. Taylor Hart, Planger, Flores seventy three. Subs not used Mitchell Viga Our under 18s returned from the international break with a nil nil draw against Fulham in the Premier League South. Joel Ideho made his first appearance at this level after joining us from Ajax in the summer, while Uvi Egeheri replaced Hubert Gradzik in goal. Early on, Ideho's pace and trickery won a free kick for Charlie Patino to deliver to the far post, but Zane Monlui failed to hit the target from close range. Patino then delivered another cross for Luke Planger to head wide of the far post, before Azrion Pajazziti came close for the visitors, forcing Ejheri into a fine save. Following the restart, we remained patient with our build-up play, but our best chance of the afternoon came from a sudden surging run from Brooke Norton Cuffey, who came on as a substitute for our under-23s less than 24 hours earlier. The 16-year-old received the ball by the corner flag and held off one marker before dribbling past another and winning a free kick in a dangerous position. Patino's inch-perfect delivery bypassed Fulham's defence and bounced inside the six-yard area, but it ricocheted back off the post before anyone could provide the finishing touch the visitors had a late chance to seal all three points against the run of play only for luke harris to blaze his first-time effort over the bar academy alumni catching up with former arsenal academy players as they continue their pro careers away from the emirates j emmanuel thomas j emmanuel thomas has been on the move again and this time he's north of the border a supremely talented attacking midfielder when he broke through in the Arsenal Academy over a decade ago, Jay is now playing as a centre forward for Scottish Premier League side Livingstone and scored twice in their Scottish League Cup win over Adrianians on November the 14th. Jay was one of the stars of our 2008 FA Youth Cup success alongside the likes of Jack Wilshere, Emmanuel Frimpong, and Luke Ayling, scoring in the first leg of the final as we effectively won the tie with a 4-1 win over Liverpool at Emirates Stadium. He went on to score 13 goals in 13 games for the under-23s, with six assists, but couldn't quite make the step to first-team level. Though he did make six appearances for Arsene Wenger's team, including substitute appearances in both the Premier League and Champions League against Chelsea and Shakhtar Donetsk, respectively. After loan spells at Blackburn, Doncaster and Cardiff, he left Arsenal permanently in the summer of 2011 for Ipswich Town in the Championship in a £1 million deal. He played 76 games, scoring nine goals at Portman Road before a move to Bristol City two years later and the best spell of his career, proving a real creative threat as he scored 33 goals and made 20 assists in just 103 games. This form enticed QPR in the championship to snap him up at the end of his contract, but things didn't work out at Loftus Road, only playing 15 times over three years during which he was loaned out to MK Dons and Gillingham, way backed 11 goals in 35 games. After a couple of years hiatus, Jay headed off on a tie adventure in January 2019 joining PTT Rayon, scoring once in 12 games, before joining Livingstone in September this year on a one-year deal, where he has two goals and three assists from his eight games. The 29-year-old, who joined us at the age of eight, was an England under-17 and under-19 international. Good luck in Scotland, Jay. Academy News Smith stars for Swindon it's safe to say that Matt Smith's making his mark at Swindon Town this season. The young midfielder came through the youth ranks at Hale End after joining the club at under nine level. Now he's flourishing in League One after receiving his first taste of senior football. Currently on loan with the Robins, Smith has played every minute of their 2020-21 league campaign so far, cementing his place as a fan favourite after just two months at the club. Smith scored on his debut for the club in a 3-1 win over Rochdale, and his second arrived deep into stoppage time against Shrewsbury Town, salvaging a 3-3 draw. The following week, he provided an assist in their 1-0 win over Bristol Rovers. Keep it up, Matt. Up next in the EFL Trophy. Our under-21s are set to face AFC Wimbledon in the last 32 of the Papa John's Trophy. Steve Baldside were drawn as the home team, but the game will be played at Plough Lane, as per rules for the under twenty-one sides in the competition. The game will be played on Tuesday, December the eighth, with a six p.m. kickoff. What a picture! Lining up before the Europa League game in Norway, when the Gunners played Moulder, club photographer David Price snapped this picture. Notice anything? Yes. That's a quartet of academy graduates ready to proudly strut their stuff for the first team, which included a goal for Reese and two assists for Joe.
0: Player
2: questionnaire Forward Arsenal 22 Pablo Mori. Arsenal Football Club prides itself on always looking forward. So we are asking our players to gaze into the future to see what's on the horizon. How much do you analyse the opposition in the lead-up to a game? I think you need to be really focused on what your job is in the game, but in the end, the strikers need to take more care about how they are going to play against you than you do against the strikers. I think that's the difference between centre-backs. You need to focus on what you can do better in every game, not just about the strikers you are going to play. What are your emotions the night before a game? Always a bit nervous. I think if you ever lose that, then that's the time to leave football. You feel those nerves because you want to win the next day. You want to feel the happiness of winning. I think that's normal. Do you have a regular routine before every game? I don't really have a special routine. I do my warm-up, I focus, and then I try to put an image in my head of what I want to do in the game. I think about where I want to keep the striker, for example, and what I'm going to do with the ball, and also what instructions the manager has given me for that game. That's what I'm thinking about before the game. Looking further ahead, what do you plan to do when you finish your career? When I finish playing, I'd like to concentrate on my investments. I have a few properties and flats that I rent, so I will manage that. I also have investments in other parts of my business that I will manage. Also, I would like to work with my agent and bring some football experience to him in his business. Most agents haven't played football, so they don't know well that side of the business and what happens in the dressing room. So I think I can bring that to the company, and I really like working with them anyway, it's a really good company. Are you not tempted to go into coaching? At the moment, no, it is a big job, not only for me, but for my family as well, because we have to change cities and countries a lot and I think you do that enough as a player. So, after I finish playing, I want to be involved in football still, but not management, more of a normal life. What specific ambitions do you have in your playing career? When I was young, one of my dreams was to play in the first division in Spain or in England. I worked a lot to be here, and now I am in the Premier League, for me is like a dream, But I work harder now to play every game I can. I enjoy it, but I want to work harder to give my best to give everything for Arsenal and my teammates. Of course, another dream is to play for my national team. I think that dream is closer now that I play for Arsenal, and I'm going to push hard to achieve it. Away from football, what would you want to do after retiring that you cannot do now? Well, at the moment I can't go fishing. Fishing is my hobby, but I cannot do that now because we train every day and have matches at the weekend, so I don't have time, but I love it. I do it whenever I have holidays in the summer, for example. It's one hobby I cannot do too much now, but I will do a lot of it when I finish my professional career. I LIKE GOING OUT ON A BOAT ON THE SEA AND SPENDING MY TIME FISHING. I LOVE BEING ON THE OCEAN. WHAT COUNTRY WILL YOU LIVE IN WHEN YOU FINISH PLAYING? I THINK I WILL GO TO SPAIN. I HAVE ALL MY FAMILY THERE. ME AND MY WIFE WERE BORN THERE, SO THAT WILL BE OUR HOME. ARE THERE ANY OTHER COUNTRIES YOU WANT TO VISIT MORE WHEN YOU HAVE THE CHANCE? YES, WE LOVE TO SEE OTHER COUNTRIES. WE LOVED BRAZIL. I only played there for six months, but it was really nice, a beautiful country. The Americas are really good to see and travel across too. In Europe, I think there are many really beautiful countries like France, UK, Germany, Italy, Greece, lots of countries to go to and enjoy. We will want to see them all. In your day-to-day life, are you good at planning ahead? Yes, of course, that's very important to know what you are doing every day, and to have a plan for that. You have to look ahead too. After fifteen years of playing, you won't have anything. Most of the players won't have studies or qualifications, so you need to know what you want to do with your life. I have plenty of hobbies, but I will plan for them after football. Finally, you are told there's a spare seat on the next trip to the moon. Do you go? Who would you take with you, and who wouldn't you take? Yeah, for sure, I'd take my wife with me, but I don't know who I wouldn't take with me. That's a difficult one. In a dream world, what would be your next? Meal. Paella, of course. New car? I'll take a Range Rover. Trophy you win? It's going to be the Premier League. Holiday destination, back to Spain with the family. Maybe a bit, sir, to enjoy the beaches. New teammate, I think we should have Messi.
3: Arsenal and Austria Football historian John Sperling looks at two games between Arsenal and Austrian opposition and recalls an old friend. Friendly fixture, December the 4th 1933, Arsenal 4, Austria-Vienna 2. To all intents and purposes, the Gunners hosted the Austrian national team when these two sides met. They were also labelled the Football Club of Austria by some newspapers. And it proved to be a thrilling encounter. The Austrians, coached by the hugely influential coach Hugo Messi, had narrowly lost in the previous year to England 4-3 at Stamford Bridge and Messi had dubbed Arsenal manager Herbert Chapman as being undoubtedly a leading man in association football throughout the world. The match was staged on a Monday afternoon, and a healthy crowd of 35,000 managed to get into the game with Future Gunners boss George Allison providing radio commentary. Cliff Bastin gave Arsenal the lead from the penalty spot after 40 minutes, and just before half-time, Joe Hulme, fired the ball home, two goals to the good. After the break, the Austrians showed their qualities and the well famous forward Matthias Sindler pulled a goal back before David Jack put Arsenal 3-1 ahead. Urchin Schull reduced the arrears once more before Bastin latched into the Alex James pass to secure Arsenal a 4-2 win. keen Azurba of the English game, Messi noted later that a celebrationary dinner at the Café Royal The Arsenal victory had made us feel the club's strength in Britain is greater than international strength and added that his team needed to be more cynical for the opposition's penalty box. Messier clearly learnt much from the encounter. His team reached the 1934 World Cup semi-finals with the English FA sticking rigidly to its starts. After attending the floodlit match in Berlin, in 1930, Chapman became convinced that floodlights could revolutionise the English game as a spectator sport in years to come. And when the new West Ham was unveiled in 1932, they were fitted out with a set. Both Messiel and Chapman's influence on pre-world football cannot be underestimated. Although sadly, their premature deaths, Chapman passed in 34, and Messiel in 1937 Meant their plan for Europe Y Club competition more than 20 years before the European Cup was instilled, meant they never lived to see it come to fruition. European Cup first round, first leg, September 18th, 1991. Arsenal 6, Austria Memphis 1. Second leg, October 2nd, 1991. Austria Memphis 1, Arsenal, nil. Arsenal announced their return at the European Cup after a 20-year absence in style at Highbury. Clad in the iconic yellow and blue bruised banana away kit at home, the Gunners looked to lead with central defender Andy Lingham swivelled, shot and scored shortly before half-time. In the second half, Arsenal ran riot when striker Alan Smith lead the charge with a rasping shot from Paul Merson was only parried by the goalkeeper, Smith. Followed up to ram the ball home and from Nigel Winterburn throw-in, Kevin Campbell chested the ball down for Smith to slot home. The Gunnels, although still dominant, were punished for sloppy defending midway through the second half and Australian striker Orias Oregras pulled a goal back with a great finish. Arsenal then pressed forward once more and following delightful Paul Merson cross with the outside of his boot, Alan Smith got a hat-trick with a diving header. From a Kevin Campbell shot which was parried away, Smith then netted his fourth and late on Anders Limpar seized the defensive error to race forward and slam the ball home. It was a great result, explained manager Joel Graham afterwards, although we'll need to be professional in the return leg. In Vienna a fortnight later, Arsenal looked rather jaded went down 1-0, but on a 6-2 aggregate, victory was nonetheless a fine achievement. Our only Austrian Signed in the summer of 1997 as backup for David Seaman, young Austrian Alex Manninger played a pivotal role in the Gunners secured a domestic double in the 97-98 campaign. When Seaman got injured early in the new year, Manninger seized his opportunity and he kept six consecutive clean sheets in the league in the Premiership. His highlight was a stellar display at Old Trafford. A mark overmars goal gave Arsenal a 1-0 victory, but Manninger kept Manchester United strikers at bay. Firstly, he blocked a shot from Sheringham, and then excelled himself by getting down low to deny Andy Cole, shortly before half-time, when a former Gunner striker seemed to have a goal at his mercy. Later that month, he was named Premier League Manager of the Month. For March, with Arsene Wenger explaining Alex's contribution was the cause in the last few weeks, had been immense. His impact on Arsenal FA Cup run was also systematic and a quarter-final replay at West Ham. He saved Berkovic's spot kick from the penalty was shot out to help Arsenal into the semi-finals. When David Reseman returned from injury, Manningham made way, although he only played in seven league games that campaign, players officially needed to have played 10 games to qualify. He was granted special dispensation on account of his contribution he made. Although he remained an Arsenal player for the next three seasons, he was unable to dislodge Seaman from the number one spot. And following the arrival of Richard Wright from Ipswich in the summer of 2001, Manninger moved on to loan to Florinta. His brief but extensive role in Arsenal's success in the 1998 should never be forgotten.
4: Arsenal Arsenal women. Women News and reports from England's most successful women's football team Austrian Influence Two key members of Joe Montemuro's squad have a particularly strong interest in tonight's game. Whereas the Austrian influence on the men's team has been limited to Alex Manginger 20 years ago, it's a very different situation for Arsenal Women. Manuela Zinsberger, like Alex, is an Austria international goalkeeper who has made the Arsenal number no. 1 shirt her own over the last season and a half, starting all of the Gunners' WSL games this season and in total, Manuela has now made 30 appearances for the Gunners since arriving from Bayern Munich in May 2019. During this time, she has developed a reputation as a penalty-saving specialist, making three so far for us including a crucial stop from Manchester City's Ellen White in last season's Continental Tyres League Cup semi-final. Born in the village of Stockerau, 30 kilometres north of Vienna, 25-year-old Manuela now has 60 caps for her country. Playing in front of Manuela in central defence or as a defensive midfielder, Vicky Schnaderbeck joined Arsenal in May 2018, is the captain of her country and, like Manuela, a hugely respected sporting figure in her country. She has 53 caps for Austria. Vicky grew up on a small farm close to Austria's second biggest city, Graz, which is 200 hundred kilometres from Vienna. Like Manuela, Vicky also joined us from Bayern Munich, where she won the Bundesliga twice and the DFB Pokal, and was a regular in their women's Champions League campaigns. Now in North London and fully fit following a 2018-19 stroke ruined by injury, the 29-year-old has formed effective centre-back partnerships with both Lear Williamson and Jen Beattie and has now played 35 times for Joe Montemuro's team. Though he's still waiting to get on the score sheet despite coming close on a number of occasions. 2020-2021 fixtures September 6th, Reading 6-1 September the 12th, West Ham United, 9-1 September 26th, Tottenham, FA Cup quarter-final, 4-0 October 1st, Man City, FA Cup semi-final, 1-2 October 4th, Bristol City, 3-1 October 7th, Chelsea, CC, 1-4 October 11th, Brighton & Hove Albion, 5-0 October 18th, Tottenham Hotspur, 6-1 November 4th, London City Lionesses, CC, 4-0. November 8th, Manchester United, 0-1. November 5th, Chelsea, 1-1. November 18th, Tottenham Hotspur, CC, 2-2. Arsenal one on penalties. December 6th, Birmingham City, home. December 13th, Manchester City, away. December 20th, Everton, home. January 9th, stroke 10th, Aston Villa, away. January 16th, stroke 17th, Reading, away. January 23rd, stroke 24, West Ham United, home. February 6th, stroke 7th, Manchester City, home. February 10th, 11th or 12th, Chelsea, away. March 6th, stroke 7th, Birmingham City, away. March 17th, stroke 18th, Manchester United, home. March 27th, stroke 28, Tottenham Hotspur, away. April 3rd, stroke 4th, Bristol City, away. April 24th, stroke 25th, Brighton & Hove Albion, home. May 1st, stroke 2nd, Everton, away. May 8th, stroke 9th, Aston Villa, home. Women's Super League at November 28th manchester united played seven won five drawn two lost zero four seventeen against seven goal difference ten point seventeen Arsenal played seven won five drawn one lost one four thirty against six goal difference twenty four point sixteen Chelsea played six won four drawn two lost zero four nineteen against three. Goal difference 16, points 14. Everton played 7, won 4, drawn 2, lost 1, 417 against 8, goal difference 9, points 14. Manchester City played 7, won 3, drawn 3, lost 1, 418 against 8, goal difference 10, points 12. Birmingham City played 7, won 3, drawn 0, lost 4, 4 9 against 10, goal difference minus 1, points 9. Reading played 7, won 2, drawn 3, lost 2, 4 8 against 11, goal difference minus 3, points 9. Brighton and Hove Albion played 7, won 2, drawn 2, lost 3, 4 5 against 12, goal difference minus 7, points 8. West Ham United Played 7, won 1, drawn 1, lost 5, 4-7, against 20, goal difference minus 13, points 4. Aston Villa, played 5, won 1, drawn 0, lost 4, 4-3, four against 12, goal difference minus 9, points 3. Tottenham Hotspur, played 7, won 0, drawn 3, lost 4, against 16, goal difference minus 10, points 3. Bristol City, played 6-1-0, drawn 1, lost 5. 4-4 against 30, goal difference minus 26, points 1.
2: My Story, the Arsenal Foundation the work of the Arsenal Foundation and the partners and initiatives it supports have touched the lives of a great number of people in a variety of ways. The Arsenal Foundation has helped to fund Restore the Music, a charity that has helped more than 40,000 London children access music education via free instruments. Rachel Adidiran, Head of Music at Skinner's Academy, tells us how it has helped the local school. I was appointed Head of Music at Skinner's Academy in 2013. I'd been teaching in Derbyshire and was ready for a change which came in the form of a move to London. The Academy already had a relationship with Arsenal in the community, who connected me with Polly at Restore the Music. Polly gave me a really clear idea of how RTM might help to realise a vision for music at the Academy, and our application went from there. RTM funding allowed the music department to provide free instruments for every Year 7 student, for them to learn on and take home to practice on. In a school with above-average deprivation indicators, this had a huge impact. We were able to buy enough instruments to create an orchestra, including strings, woodwind, brass instruments and percussion We also bought band instruments, including pianos, guitars and bass, plus amps and PA equipment. We more than tripled the number of pupils learning to play instruments and attending music ensembles, orchestras and choirs during the week. In our second year, with around 300 students learning to play instruments, we embarked on a partnership with the National Youth Orchestra of Great Britain, to provide inspirational orchestral and arts administration opportunities for Skinner students, again a direct result of RTM funding. Two students in particular stand out as representative of the impact RTM has had on the Academy. One is a young woman who didn't want to do music at all when she came to the Academy in Year 7, and four years later... She plays both trumpet and piano and composes fabulous pieces of music full of character. A second young woman is a talented viola player, making incredible progress and currently auditioning for junior conservatoire places. Music has become a core part of Skinner's Academy, and the Music Department's commitment to choice, inspiration and quality has been directly supported and impacted significantly by Restore the Music funding. Access to instruments is now equal, as it should be in all schools. We now have the resources and support to respond to individual student interest, passions and skills in a way that was simply impossible before, and is impossible for most schools. I don't follow football, although I'm from Coventry, and I was five when we won the FA Cup, so I do remember the street parties and the fountains in the city centre being dyed blue, but I think it's incredible that football clubs are able to help community charities. Football has a huge capacity to create, build and nurture loyalty, community spirit and sportsmanship. You see it every time there's an Arsenal match on. These values are essential for cohesive communities and funding community charities creates incredible opportunities for people that can change their lives. For more info, visit RestoreTheMusicUK.com
3: The Visitors' Rapid Vienna Formed January 8, 1899 nickname De Grün-Wilbien, the Green and White Stadium, Alliance Stadium holds 28,345 Seasons UEFA, UEFA League campaigners Rapid Vienna are competing in the group stage for the eighth time A competition record they share with five other clubs, including fellow Austrian Salzburg, but they have progressed to the knockout phase just twice previously in 2015-16 and their most recent appearance in 2018-19, when they finished second on 10 points behind Villarreal. Eliminating both Rangers and Spartak Mosto before falling at the round of 32 to Inter Milan. This season... They have a chance to make further progress once again. The green and whites from the Austrian capital have a long and rich European history, which was included two appearances in the final with the old winners' cup, both of which they lost three-one against Everton in Rotterdam in eighty-five and one 0 against Paris Saint Germain in Brussels in ninety-six. They have competed twice in the Champions League group stage in ninety-six ninety-seven and 2005-2006, and they are their country's all-time record champions with 32 National League titles, eight more than City rivals Austria-Vienna. Though only two of those have come this century, and the most recent 2007-2008. Rapid Vienna's last European match in England was the 2010 Europa League playoff against Aston Villa. After a 1-1 draw in Austria, Rapid Vienna prevailed with a 3-2 second leg win in Birmingham to progress to the group stage. They had trailed 1-0 and 2-1 in the second leg before scoring two late goals to earn a famous win. Defender Mario Schuster scored the second goal and was on the bench when we played Rapid on match day one this season. It was the second season in a row Rapid have seen off Villa in that stage of the competition. Rapid's most famous meeting with English opposition came through the 1985 in the Europa League Cup Winners' Cup Final when they lost 3-1 to Everton in Rotterdam. Midfielder Kevin Richardson, who later joined Arsenal of course, was the unused sub for Everton that day. Scouting Report by Michael Cox in 2020-21, managers are being forced to rotate their sides even more than before. And Rapid Vienna manager Didier Kabar has very much embraced that concept. In Rapid's four-year reaper games, matches so far, two defeats, two victories, only four players have started all four matches, and only the two full-backs have played all 360 minutes. But this isn't typical of a manager who's become something of a serial switcher in terms of formations too. He's capable of sending his side out in either a three-five-two or a four-two-three system and thus far has used the former for defeats to Arsenal and Mould. In the latter, for back-to-back victories over Dundalk, clearly he sees the two formations are being the most suited to face in different types of opposition. Although, you wonder whether its success against Dundalk might encourage him to stick with it for his trip to the Emirates. Rapid are currently level on points with Mould after four games and will expect the Norwegian side to defeat Dundalk at home this evening before Rapid hosts Mould in the final group game. Arsenal may have already sealed qualification, but this is a crucial match for the Austrian side. Rapid are a good footballing side. They like to dominate possession and keep in all the other Austrian sides. They're very apt at pressing, particularly in wide areas and they're in the box for opponents towards the touchlines. They're also very capable of counter-pressing immediately after using, losing the ball, and regaining it to dangerous positions close to goal. Indeed, their opening and reverse fixture scored by Tidius fruntius came when their forward forced an error from Benedlino as Arsenal tried to play out from the back. Funus had two subsequently chances from similar situations, and Arsenal must be alert to being closed down quickly for the situation. Left-sided Max Auburn was the right-back flip to Solskjaer, both capable of pushing forward for the overlap, but Rapid appeared to have real challenges in defence. In the two matches against Dundalk, they managed to concede three penalties and there was also a question mark on the goal. Richard Stabber made an error for David Louise's header, equaliser and a reverse fixture between the sides but Paul Gartler hadn't looked properly convincing in three matches since, and Rapid are yet to keep a clean sheet in this season's competition.
4: Pre-season in Austria. Escape to Austria. From 2002 to 2010, and again in 2014... Arsenal's pre-season took place in the idyllic setting of Bad Waltersdorf in southern Austria. Arsene Wenger and the first team squad would tune up for the new season with intense double sessions in an effort to reach optimum fitness for the new season, but always with plenty of ball work too. They would also play a series of friendlies against local sides to start to acquire match sharpness for the new campaign. The Austrian adventures were always enjoyed by the gunners' staff in attendance. Our photographers were there, of course, but also a number of groups of supporters who would enjoy their summer holidays in the beautiful countryside nearby and watch their heroes on the training pitches and in matches whenever they could. There now follow explanations of the photos that are attached to this article. 1. The training base was set at altitude in the Austria countryside. 2. Aaron Ramsey and Cesc Fàbregas enjoy some pre-season bonding in two thousand and nine. Three, some strength and conditioning work for Alexander Heeb in two thousand and five. Four, Sol Campbell leads the side out for a friendly against Besiktas in two thousand and three. Five, Robert Pirès and Thierry Henry take time out during the intensive training sessions in two thousand and four. Six. Gail Clichy turns cameraman in 2008. 7. Robin van Persie shares a joke with the fans in 2004. 8. Jens Lehmann at full stretch in 2004. 9. Arsene Wenger would always cycle back up the mountain to the team hotel after training sessions. 10. Dennis Bergkamp, Jose Reyes and, um, Ronald McDonald before a friendly match against Gratza AK in 2004. 11. The boss with some one-on-one coaching for CES Fabregas in 2004. 12. Jack Wilshire making a splash in 2014.
1: Premier League Match Day 10 7.15pm Sunday, November 29th Emirates Stadium. Arsenal 1, Wolves 2. First half. Both sides looked full of attacking intent in the opening exchanges, but the momentum was taken out of the game following a horrific clash of heads between David Luiz and Raul Jimenez as the former attacked a corner. Play was held up for 10 minutes as medics tended to both players. David Luiz was bandaged up and returned to the field, but Jimenez was stretchered off and taken straight to hospital. Understandably, it took a while for the game to get back into its flow and when it did, the visitors took the lead through Pedro Neto. Leander Dendoka had headed against the bar from close range but Neto was on hand to open the scoring. Just three minutes later, we were level when Gabriel rose superbly to meet Williams, flighted cross and powerfully head home. Wolves restored their lead before the break though when Daniel Podence pounced on a loose ball in the box. Second half Rob Holding replaced David Luiz at half-time, who had suffered a nasty cut in the early collision. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang created a chance for himself when he stole the ball off Rui Patricio's toes outside the area. The keeper scrambled back to push away Aubameyang's low shot, however. Substitute Rhys Nelson shot over when well-placed, but despite putting the visitors under more pressure in the final 15 minutes, we fell to a third successive league defeat at home.
2: Teams For Arsenal, manager Mikel Arteta. Red shirts with white sleeves, white shorts and socks. 1. Bent Leno, goalkeeper. 2. Hector Bellerin. 3. Kieran Tierney. 4. William Saliba. 5. Socrates Papastathopoulos. 6. Gabriel 7. Bokeh Osaka 8. Danis Ceballos 9. Alexandre Lacazette 10. Mesut Ozil 12. William, 13. Alex Runasson, goalkeeper 14. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang 15. Ainsley maitland Niles, 16. Rob Holding 17. Cedric Suarez 18. Thomas Party nineteen Nikolas Pepi, twenty Schroeder Mustafi twenty one Callum Chambers twenty two Pablo Mori, twenty three David Lewis twenty four Reese Nelson twenty five Mohammed Elnani twenty eight Joe Willock thirty Eddie and thirty one Zid Galazinach thirty two Emil Smith Row thirty three. Matt Macy, goalkeeper 34. Granite charka 35. Gabriel Martinelli 38. Vollerin Balligan, 4. Rapid Vienna, manager Dietmar Kubauer Green shirts with white sleeves, white shorts and socks 1. Richard Strebinger, goalkeeper 4. Mathieu Barak 6. Mario Sonleitner 7. Philip Schubersberger 8. Marcel Ritzmeier 9. Taxiakis Fontas 13. Thorsten Sheik 14. Sradin Grahevac 16. Dejan Petrovic 17. Christopher Diebung 18. Tamas Zanto 19. Deniala 20. Maximilian Hoffmann 21. Ben Hartunga, goalkeeper Twenty-two Philip Stokovic, twenty-five Paul Gartler, goalkeeper; twenty-eight Christoph Knasmüller, twenty-nine Erkan Kara, thirty Leo Greml, thirty-one Maximilian Olmen, thirty-two Koya Kitagoa thirty-six Calvin Arasi, thirty-seven Lukasz Sulzbacher, thirty-eight Adrian Hargery. 39. Dejan Lubicic, 40. Meli Ibrahimoglu, 42. Leon Schuster, 43. Dragolyub Savic, 46. Paul Gabara, 47. Dalibor Velimirovic, 48. Yusuf Demir. Match officials all from Romania. Referee Radu Petrascu, Assistant Referees Radu Genguliac, Mihai Marica, 4th official, Marcel Bursan. Today's fixtures, 5.55pm unless stated. Group A. CFR Cluj vs. CSKA Sofia, 8pm. Roma vs. Young Boys, 8pm. Group B. Mulder vs. Dundalk, 8pm. Group C. Nice vs. Bea Lvivikusin, 8pm. Slavia Prague vs. H. Beersheva, 8 p.m. Group D: Rangers vs Standard Liège, 8 p.m. Benfica vs Lech Poznan, 8 p.m. Group E: Granada vs PSV Eindhoven, 8 p.m. Omonia Nicosia vs PAOK Salonica, 8 p.m. Group F: AZ Alkmaar vs Napoli, 8 p.m. Rijeka vs Real Sociedad, 8 p.m. Group G. A.E.K. Athens vs. Braga, Zoria vs. Leicester City Group H. Lille vs. Sparta Prague Milan vs. Celtic Group I. F.K. Karabag vs. Maccabi Tel Aviv Sivaspor vs. Villarreal Group J. LASK. Linz vs. Tottenham Royal Antwerp vs. Ludogorets, Group K. CSKA. Moscow vs. Wolfsburg Feyenoord vs Dynamo Zagreb Group L Ghent vs Slavon Liberec, Red Star vs Hoffenheim The Arsenal Foundation Helping young people Fulfill their potential Through education and sport
0: Arsenal our home new 2020 to 21 home kit on sale in store and online and online
4: Arsenal ready for Arsenal this is family new 2021 third kit. On sale, in store and online.
2: Reconnect in comfort and safety. Fly better. Our A380 is back in the skies, so let's get back to the things we've missed. Fly to your next destination with confidence ...knowing that your health and safety is our top priority at every step. And we'll even give you free COVID-19 cover while you're away. Emirates, Arsenal official partner.
0: Premier League, Arsenal. In our game, there's always room for passion. There's room for rivalry. There's room for emotion. But there is no room for racism. If you see it, report it. No room for racism. Kick It Out. Tackling racism and discrimination. Download the Kick It Out app or tell a police officer or steward in the stadium.